Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He's Mike McDaniel. Mike, week 13's in the books. We've had this conversation now for two minutes. We weren't live. Uh, how are you doing? How was your How was your weekend? Did you enjoy it, the football? It was a nice warm-up there. Uh, our <laughs> producer got kicked from the feed. We were under the assumption that we were live. I looked up in the top left corner of the screen. It said scheduled. Joey and I, we just podcasted for two minutes to nobody. But it was a good warm-up. Podcasted to each other, Mike. There, there hey, he Scott. is. Welcome back. Scott, I, I just told the story, and, and you'll like this because you're now hearing this for the first time. Uh, the whole warm-up 30-second thing played. Technically, and then, everyone else is hearing this for the first time, too, by the way. I, I'm and, the only one who's heard this story. Yes, and Joey and I, of course, thought that then we were live, so Joey and I podcasted for about two and a half minutes, and I looked up in the left-hand corner of the screen. It said scheduled. We were not live. So uh, we just talked for two and a half minutes as practice, and now you're back, and now we're live again. Spectacular. So what happened there was because that happened to you is because – when I hit the button, it my browser just like crippled and died, mm-hmm. and it just said you cannot do this. And I said okay. I tried eight different things, decided to restart the browser, and I fixed it. Should have done that first. Here we are. We're Hello, live everyone. now. Professional podcast. That's us. Week thirteen in the books. Do we want to do a, a rapid recap of all these ACC games, and we come back and do some deep dives? Yeah, I mean, there, there's no reason to for you and I to do all of our, you know, shaking each other down for two minutes again. So. Doing what now? Uh, we, uh, just, just so the people know, uh, we're live right now. It is a few minutes after midnight on Saturday night, I guess Sunday morning, technically. Uh, AC, uh, sorry, www.youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. We got some folks here in the comments. Uh, my guy, Adam Parker is talking trash about my golf game because apparently that was only limited to the, uh, the preview show that he was not allowed to do that. So welcome back, Adam. Um, we got a lot of other folks here in the comments joining us to talk about all the action that was. So please, if you are not subscribed there, once again, it is youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell icon. You'll be notified when we're going live and you can join us on Saturday nights as we recap all the action that was. And we've been doing some live previews too this season. So uh, come join us on you know, Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, whenever it's going to happen. But you'll find out if you are uh, hit, if you hit the bell icon and you're subscribed there on uh, YouTube.com slash at the ACC football podcast, Mike. All sounds good to me, Scott. We miss anything? You got it. Bang. Nailed it. Ten minutes on the clock. And go. Miami 45, Boston College 20. We told you on the preview that if Boston College showed up engaged, they would win by multiple scores. Joey, lo and behold, they showed up engaged. Miami was engaged. As we talked about on the preview, you know, we've seen Miami quit in recent years after losing to Florida State. And then, you know, well, they, they had a ranked game in senior day. Like, maybe they're still engaged there. Like, but they're going right. to quit here. Mario has done a good a job the last two years of keeping this Miami team focused late in the year. And you saw it again yesterday as they – I didn't feel like it was like a highly energetic, highly focused effort, but like it was just enough to where you saw Miami able to just completely overwhelm Boston College on third and fourth downs and sustained drives. And all of a sudden Miami had rolled up 45 points on Boston College's defense. And uh, I didn't think Tyler Van Dyke was really that that good. Uh, 
Um, I thought some of the game plan stuff from Boston College didn't make a lot of sense. They they once again try throwing the ball probably a lot more than they should have with Thomas Castellanos. But uh, and at the end of the day, Miami wins by 25 points, and uh, I feel like that's as convincing as I needed. You mentioned that Miami didn't seem too, too engaged. That gave me an opportunity to now make this joke. You don't have to be too engaged when you're playing Boston College. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. It's almost like Boston College might not be that good. Um, I, I checked Boston College Twitter. They they did not agree. They, they think Boston College is pretty good right now. But, you know, they've lost three in a row, and it has uh, not looked all that good in that time. So They've been oddly quiet. Oddly quiet since talking trash before the Virginia Tech game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joey, what do you and I have in common with Boston College since oh, the Virginia no. Tech game? We haven't won a game either. We haven't won a game. That's correct. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Duke 30, Pittsburgh 19. Uh, this is a football game. It's a game that took place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this was This was ugly. This was gross. Yeah. It was 10 to 10 at halftime. I had the unfortunate pleasure of watching a good bit of this game. I'll have more comments on this later. Uh, it was part of the quad box that featured Ohio State and Michigan, which I was paying very close attention to. Mm-hmm. This was really disgusting. Pittsburgh offensively mm, left a lot to be desired. Duke actually moved the ball okay here. Uh, but Pittsburgh's defense, man, they were letting up some explosive plays like we predicted on the recap, or I'm sorry, on the preview. If Duke was going to get some separation here, it was because they would hit on a few explosive plays against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh wouldn't necessarily be able to do the same. And that's how we arrive at 30-19, to 19, Duke. <laughs> the, uh, you know, let's just say the, the name of the game today for these two teams was not running the ball. No, it was a lot of things. It was not that. These two teams combined for 62 carries for 112 yards on the ground. Which, once again, this was a football game. It was a football game. It was played by American football rules. Uh, Unfortunately. Wow. Yeah. Uh, not pretty, not fun, but, uh, you know, we got there. We got there. And uh, Duke, Duke also got there. They covered. Some big time Kobe energy out of this game. Big Kobe energy. Big Kobe energy. BKE. Yeah, Adam is spot on. Uh, Syracuse 35, Wake Forest 31. Nobody told me that Garrett Schrader was going to play and look semi healthy. Nobody told me that. I want my money back on the under bet I placed. What What are the odds uh, Garrett Schrader plays in this game if Dino Babers is still the head coach? Caught me off guard with that one. Like so zero. Got to re- reset here a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I stroked out there. I, I phrasing. I don't know what, <laughs> like, what changed from last week that Garrett Schrader basically played three snaps against Georgia Tech, only the under center snaps, and then goes in and basically plays the whole game for Syracuse here. And I, Pokemon I, Center. I'm sorry. Pokemon, the Pokemon Center. Center. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know, all of a sudden, Garrett Schrader's back in at quarterback. Fifteen passing attempts, ten carries. Like, yeah, th- this game was uh, was honestly pretty ugly for the first like forty minutes or so, and then got real loose in the uh, in the fourth quarter, especially. Got very back and forth, uh, very weird finish, 
But uh, Syracuse ends up getting it done. They uh, they cover. It was never in doubt, Mike. Never in doubt. Orange minus three all the way. Lock of the century. We had it on this show right here. You had it. That's why I stayed away from it. Unfortunately for me, I bet the under. It's not the only lock I got wrong today. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Good win for Syracuse. They're bowl eligible. They are. They are bowl eligible. Orange with an interim coaching staff. Spectacular. Virginia Tech 55, Virginia 17. I just have... Yeah. Uh, The reason why we're playing that music is because Virginia Tech was up 31 to nothing in the middle of the third quarter, and Tony Elliott elected to kick a short field goal to make it 31 to 3. I was so mad. And... Joey Congratulations, Bond. you went from a four-score game to a four-score game. And Bashel Tootin then took the ensuing kickoff back. What was that, 97 yards for a touchdown? You get what you get. I think it was 84, but close enough. You yep. earned it, Good enough. Tony. Good enough, because Virginia's kicker can't kick the ball out of the end zone. So irritated with the yeah. field goal. Like, are you kidding me, Tony Elliott? Just yeah. go for it. Really bad. 94 yards. 94 yards, on officially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Tech wins this game 55 to 17 and if they actually, you know, played to their capability cuz they left some stuff out there, they probably could have scored 70. This is embarrassing for Virginia. Embarrassing. This is a this is a I don't know that it started as a rough effort, but it does feel like Virginia kind of quit in the second half here. Um yeah. I I I kind of want to say it didn't even feel this close, 55 to 17, but then like you look at the stat sheet and there were a couple things that are kind of odd looking for a blowout, but then also, you know, other things that don't look all that odd. I don't know. Weird game. Uh, Virginia Tech, yeah, just finds a way to absolutely smoke Virginia here, and it wasn't – it really was never all that close. Um, no. This thing was over – yeah, right around the time Tony Elliott kicks a field goal to uh, to cut it to 28, and then Bashel Tootin kick off return for a touchdown and make it 35, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, good win. Hokies are bowl eligible. Uh, number 24, Clemson 16, South Carolina 7. Uh, if you were looking for offense, this was not the game to go, but this yeah. basically went as anticipated. South Carolina could not block Clemson. Yep. Flat out, could not block him. Yeah, uh, not, a, not a fun watching experience. but Gross, gross game. It's, it's fine. We got there. Gross game. We did get there. Uh, speaking of getting there, NC State got there in a big way. Number 22, yeah, NC State. <laughs> 39. North Carolina, 20. North Carolina had a really, really bad time running the ball in this game. And you and I mentioned on the preview that if they couldn't run the ball, they were going to try to throw it a bunch, and that would not prove to be a fruitful experience for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is exactly what happened. NC mm-hmm. State beat that ass. It was not as close as the final score indicated, and they won by 19. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it took NC it took UNC a while to just like get on the board in this game. They were down 26 to 7 at halftime. Um NC State low key has put to, put together a couple of good offensive performances their final 2 weeks of the season. Uh you know, not a moment too soon, but that defense again just continues to be one of the best things in the ACC and it has been all year. Um I, the post game interview <laughs> With Dave Doran was once again hilarious. Um, Dave Doran at this point clearly does not give a damn about what he's supposed to say or what you think about what he says. He says some stuff. He calls Peyton Wilson over. Uh, you know, is talking to him. Peyton Wilson gets starts getting asked a question by the the interviewer on the field, and she's asking him like, you know, 
tell me about you know how you feel about Dave Doran. You know this man standing right next to you as Dave Doran like walks off and just doesn't. He's just gone. He doesn't care. Anyways, I thought that was hilarious. Um, See you yeah, later. Really good showing for NC State's defense once again. Um, we got to talk about UNC in the future here. Yep. Uh, something tells me that might be the last regular season game Mac Brown coached at North Carolina. That's a huh. per, that's a take I have. Hmm. Kentucky 38, number 10, Louisville 31. We tried to tell you that Louisville was not the 10th best team in the country. Freaking told you this was going to happen. They just got beat by a coach who was about to take another SEC job. Yeah, there's there's some news there. Um, Man, this is is like Louisville screwed the pooch here. Like Louisville had a lead. This was a 10-point lead, I believe, with like three minutes left in the third quarter. Mm -hmm. And you had two bad fumbles. You gave up a kick return for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Like Louisville screwed this up, and that seems like it's been. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It seems like it's been the story of this rivalry for a number of years. So incredibly frustrating loss for Louisville. Still a good year for them. Whatever little little bit of hope they had for the playoff is gone. Um, totally okay with Jeff Brom year one. Again, we'll we'll, we'll talk more about it, but. Uh, this was this is more about Louisville losing, I felt like, than Kentucky winning necessarily. Well, yeah, I mean Kentucky's not that good. Yeah. Number five, Florida State, twenty four, Florida fifteen. Uh, yeah, I mean Tate Rodemaker just ain't it, but that's a topic for a different podcast probably. Might not be it next week either after that hit he took at the end of the game. Mm, Came back in the game. He was back. Yeah. Does he remember what happens at the end of the game? Like Valid question, but he was back in the game. <sighs> yeah, Ryan Howe, that timer just gave me a heart attack. Holy <laughs> shit. Holy shit. The, uh, the quarterback play in this game was <laughs> Sorry, not a Ryan. sight for sore eyes. I'll say that. Uh, now, real, real bad. The battle of the backups proved to appear like the battle of the backups. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Florida State covered. So that's neither here nor there, but. Good for it's me. It's here. It's in my wallet. Good for me, too. Made it happen. Uh, Trey Benson with a touchdown run with a little under three minutes left. That, Yeah, got that done. Yeah, texted you guys as soon as that happened. I said, wait a minute, the cover play? Uh, Joey? This is a huge team win for Florida State. Yes, it is. I I wanted to give you the opportunity for you to read the next score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe there's only one score left, if that's the that one is. you're talking about. I wanted to save the uh, the best for last year for you. Uh, that would be, I guess, the number one Georgia Bulldogs, 31. The uh, fighting Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, 23. Mm. Uh, which, if you're doing the math at home, that is only an eight-point difference, which is, if I if I'm doing my math right, I think that's only a one-score game yeah. that, uh, that the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets just played against the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, very impressed with the way that Georgia Tech played in this game and the way that they were competitive. Um, they had minimal answer on defense for Georgia's run game all night, but played tough, great effort. You could see that they there was belief there that they, you know, they, they felt like they had a chance to win and they were not just going to give up the whole whole game. Um, Georgia did not have Brock Bowers or Lad McConkey playing in this game, but. You know, so I felt like that might have been more of a tactical decision rather than a health-based decision. But um, even still, incredibly impressed with Haynes King, incredibly impressed with Georgia Tech's offense especially. Defense came up with a couple of big turnovers, got a couple stops where they needed them. Um, a, a team that has been steamrolled in this rivalry for years 
for them to come up with a one score game and, and and make it a one score game with you know a few minutes left to go in the game, I just incredibly impressed here. So um, good for Brent Key, good for Georgia Tech to uh, to play a close game like this. Honestly, don't don't be mad that they lose. They basically did the opposite of what Tony Elliott does in games where he's overmatched. Yeah, there's a there's a moment in the first half that we can talk about, but really there was there's really only one moment that I take issue with some of the decision making from Brent Key. But otherwise, I, I thought they played it well and they played it to win. And he, he's yeah, just keep it rolling. Just review the whole game. He started. Yeah, we'll just keep it rolling. This will be a first game we preview, or I'm sorry, recap. They uh, Georgia Tech. So they started going for it when they were down multiple scores in the middle of the third quarter. So if mm-hmm. you want to talk about his game management, I we could talk about the uh, the field goal in the first half. I'll. You know, we can talk about that. That's that's but, the main point of concern for me. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, but the fact that he had the wherewithal with seven minutes to go in the third quarter, feeling like the game was slipping away, and he's like, you know what? It's like fourth and six. We are going to go for it here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we kind of know where we're at. We're we've kind of reached an inflection point in the game against the number one team in the country. Like, let's make a decision here if we want to continue to try to win this game or if we want to just like be happy that we're there and be happy that we survived this long. And no, no, they they were going to go for it. Mm -hmm. Georgia tech. I was really impressed. Uh, I, from Georgia's standpoint, as somebody who bet Georgia in this game, I don't know exactly what the plan was defensively tonight. Like Georgia tech, Georgia tech did some good stuff in the running game, but like you got a bunch of four and five stars up front, the front seven, like they shouldn't have been giving you this much trouble in the running game. Like that was that was a little bit alarming. Like Georgia Tech's offensive line is low key not garbage. Not garbage. No. It's Agree. it's it's decent. It's okay. Agree. It's, it's okay. It's not bludgeon four and five stars like consistently for four quarters good. This was yeah. this was a rough scene for Georgia's defense. I'm not taking anything away from Georgia Tech. I was just surprised at how this happened I, I i think buster faulkner was kind of in his bag the whole night georgia's x offense was just loaded with like pre-snap motion window dressing like moving stuff around they, they the number of times there were replays and showing different blocking patterns and different ways of running the ball were they were pulling all out all the stops in this game and Clearly had Georgia's defense off balance for a lot of this game. Um, going whoa, side to side, whoa, going right whoa. Out, you know, whatever. Whoa, sorry to interrupt. Kentucky's Mark Stoops will not be the next Texas A&M coach. Neither will I. I- ESPN will c- can confirm. <laughs> and this was after it broke tonight that he was the leader in the clubhouse. Sorry. Continue. Wait, but so, why, wait, why not? It was already, it, it broke that he would be and now it won't be? Matt, I mean, this is legit. Matt Jones, Kentucky Sports Radio. I mean, he's in the know. Breaking, I'm told by a very good source that Mark Stoops is staying in Kentucky. Billy Lucci at Texas A&M, TexAgs.com. I can confirm Matt's breaking news here, fully expecting Stoops to remain in Lexington. Wow. Was everybody just wrong? This was reported... Hell yeah. On game day this morning. Hell yeah. Thamel reported on game day. I love Thamel being wrong. This makes me so happy. <laughs> I, I, I am not the biggest fan either. Uh, oh, oh, darn it! 
Did we hide RJ. the oh. comment here? Oh man. RJ, RJ. RJ at Sports Illustrated posted something right before I got off work, like an hour ago, saying that he was the leader in the, that that Stoops was the leader in the clubhouse. This was reported everywhere. He ran that with forty on the byline. Like they're they're tied in. Something happened the last hour. I think Adam Parker had it first. I mean, just Davo time. <laughs> I, I and I, I'm doing this because I'm saying that. Mark Stoops got himself more money from Kentucky. Well, that's ironic because that is uh, that is the Texas A&M like hand sign whatever for Gigum. Also, it's the like button. Everyone watching, please like. Thank Hit you. The like button. Like and subscribe. It's also this also this is also what Jimbo does before he sits on his thumb. <laughs> Back to Georgia, Georgia Tech. That's why he got hired at A&M. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I was incredibly impressed with the the play calling. Uh, I thought Haynes King was really good in this game. The, the The passing line doesn't look that good, but he made a few throws that were on target down the field, very competitive throws that um, you know were broken up kind of at the last second or whatever. But it, it wasn't that he underthrew it or, or anything like that. I mean, just the way that Tech was able to move the ball in this game and, and run the ball at Georgia. They ran for over 200 yards in this game. That does not happen against Georgia very often. No. Uh, and especially in a game where they ran the ball 44 times. Like, they, they stuck to the run. It was it was side to side. It was kind of option stuff going right at them. Like, I just – the way that they kind of kept this all uh, – kept everything off balance with Georgia's defense, I was very impressed with. And then, yeah, the defense – they struggled. I mean, Georgia runs the ball for almost seven yards of carry and three touchdowns in this game. But, like, you know, it wasn't like there was a lot of quit there. The The tackling really wasn't all that poor. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was good, but it wasn't terrible. Um, so, yeah, just the way that they were able to hang in this game and, and hang around and make it a game, I'd, I'm very happy with. If you had told me on Tuesday we were doing the preview that this is going to be an eight-point game, I would have been over the moon. That's all I can ask for yeah. for a team going against, again, a Georgia team that for a month and a half has basically torn everyone limb from limb. And, uh, you know, you're able to make this a game in the fourth quarter. So shout out to Brent Key and the Jackets. Yeah, now really impressed. I, again, from the Georgia side, going to have to clean some stuff up. I mean, I think getting Bowers and McConkey back because I'm sure that they will both be playing against Alabama. At least Bowers probably be they fine. Kept showing on the sideline like – wearing a towel over his head, but he's in full pads, basically. It's like, this feels like, and he's been playing for a few weeks. This feels like he could have played tonight if they wanted him to. Probably the same with McConkey, but this was a take the week off, make sure you're healthy for next week kind of thing. So was Georgia at full strength? Probably not. Does that change things in the outcome of this game? Maybe a little bit in the margin. Well, yeah, 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 but, but it doesn't change any. Like, if you're Georgia Tech – and you're rebuilding and you're trying to be like pretty competitive in the ACC again, these kinds of results matter whether the number one team at the country is at full strength or not. Like McConkey and Bowers. Okay. So maybe not having them in the lineup changes things and maybe Georgia doesn't cover four touchdowns as easily, but it shouldn't be like an eight-point game and competitive all the way through like it was. I mean, this was... Georgia, like, gained some separation at different points throughout the game, and then Georgia Tech just got themselves right back in it. It happened, like, at least two or three different times where Mm -hmm. we kind of reached a moment where it was like, okay, 
Georgia's starting to step on the gas a little bit. And then they just didn't. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they scored, right? They they scored their touchdowns. They they piled up the rushing yards. Georgia Tech's terrible rushing defense once again couldn't stop the number one team in the country on the ground. Surprise. But Georgia Tech's offense kept them in it all night. And Georgia Tech's defense, for as bad as the rushing defense was tonight, they did get off the field. Like mm-hmm. they were able to get off the field in some spots that that seemed that, like at the time they were pretty important because it was giving Georgia Tech a chance for the offense to get back in it. And the offense kept putting together good drives. This is a really, really good showing for Georgia Tech. Really good showing, flat out. Georgia had the ball four times in the first half, five times in the second half. So only nine possessions in this game for Georgia. Uh, three of them, they come away empty. A fourth one was the end of the game. So they had the ball nine times. They only got points on five of them. For the number one team in the country that's been tearing everyone limb from limb once again, I mean, yeah, I, I'll i take that. I'll take it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I – again, I, I it's probably worth bringing up. Again, this is Brent Key year one. Um, this is the second year, by the way, after he was the interim last year, they came out – this is the second straight year that they've played this game – wildly overmatched they've come out with i thought a really good game plan and have have made this game a lot more competitive than it should have been yeah um so i think there's something to be said for that and and especially in a matchup against a team of this magnitude credit to brent key and credit to his coaching staff for uh for making it as competitive as it was tonight definitely yep um i think that's all i got here anything else are we uh, ready to move on I'm good. I have, one, I have one last thing to add. Uh, I don't know if you guys were watching closely, but they showed a graphic comparing Key to Collins, and it was awesome. It wasn't awesome <laughs> for those of us that lived the Collins era. but um, Awesome yeah. for Brent Key enthusiasts. Oh, yeah. Brent Key has, what, 10, he's, what, 10 and 10 through 20 games where it took Collins 38 games to win 10? Yep. Um Key has more ACC wins than I think Jeff Collins ever did through three and a half years. Yep, and bowl uh, appearances. Yeah, the, the comparison between the two of them, it, it's, it's, it's extra funny if you think Brent Key was a bad hire and Brent Key is not a good coach. Because if that's what you think about him and you've seen the results to this point, how bad is Jeff Collins? <laughs> That a bad, bad coach is doing what Brent Key has done, and that is way better than what Jeff Collins ever did. Like Jeff Collins is a, is a clown show of a coach, and it's uh, yeah, no further, no, nothing further on that. That guy sucks. Who do you think hates their coach more? Their old coach more? Georgia Tech fans hating Collins or Virginia Tech fans hating Fuente? Scott, what do you think? <laughs> At least Fuente went to an ACC title game once. That's probably true. That's probably true. I think it's probably Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech fans hating, hating Collins. Although, like Virginia Tech fans just tend to be louder because there's more Virginia Tech fans than Georgia Tech fans, like on the football side. Like I just think there's just more, so it's just louder, higher volume. Yeah, but (laughs) as far as who hates, like the uh, magnitude of hate. I agree. It's probably Georgia Tech fans with Collins. Yeah. It it really doesn't help that if you if you line up the last five Georgia Tech football head coaches, you go from George O'Leary to Chan Gailey to Paul Johnson to Jeff Collins to now Brent Key. 
And if you put the five of those guys in a room, it's a very much like a one of these things is not like the other kind of situation. And not not specifically like in terms of record and such, just like personality and like how do they present themselves and talk about things. Like you've got four dudes who are bona fide football coaches and one guy who's like a walking internet meme, basically. And right. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that really doesn't help his perception is uh <laughs> There's a pretty well uh, well defined path to success, I think, at Georgia Tech, and uh, he didn't fit that at all. No. So four one two the culture, Something or whatever like that. Yeah. Go away, Jeff. Georgia thirty one, Georgia Tech twenty three. Uh, that recap might, by the way, brought to you by Section one hundred three dot com, the internet's premier place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. Uh, they've got sweatshirts, T-shirts, hoodies, something for uh, men, women, children, something for the whole family. They've got toddler stuff. They've got baby stuff now. Uh, I, I put an order today, by the way. Uh, bought a shirt for my little boy. Uh, bought a onesie for my little girl. Uh, so they're going to be representing Georgia Tech very well in the near future whenever that comes in. Go to section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. But I'll tell you a little secret, too, if you're listening to this in the next 24 hours or so. Uh, the Gold Friday sale goes through... Uh, November 27th, you get 20% off your order. If you get anything in the store, it's, it's automatically applied at checkout. So go buy things from section103.com. Uh, they've got the NIL jerseys. Uh, Haynes King, again, he had a huge night tonight. Dante Smith also had a pretty big game tonight. Go uh, support him there. Uh, Zach Pyron had a really cool play in this game. Miles Kelly and the basketball team, they're starting up. They've got stuff there. All the things that you need to support Georgia Tech, section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order, or, you know, go in the next 24 hours or so, get 20% off. Uh, appreciate Steven and the gang for their support. Uh, I look forward to the stuff that's coming in the mail for me. I got a sticker, too, by the way. It's, uh, it's, it's four little icons that kind of seem to suggest fight, win, drink, get naked. Uh, oh. You know, whatever that might refer to. Certainly not the tagline at the end of a Georgia Tech fight song. That's, that's for sure. All I'll say about the Georgia Tech stuff is that it's very comfortable, and I don't own that shirt, you know? So maybe that'll be next on the list for me, potentially. Yep. I got the uh, the coach hoodie on right now. Very comfortable, very warm, very soft. It's fitting, considering the coaching staff's performance tonight as well. So it's Similar to the hoodie that Brent was wearing on the sideline tonight. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Where to, Mike? Oh, I want to have a dialogue. Let's have the dialogue. I, let's have the dialogue. Are we going to Boston? No, no, we're, we're not. We're going to Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, yeah, okay. Number right. 22, North Carolina State, 39, UNC 20. I've had enough. I think I'm about done with the Mac Brown experience. I think it's time for him to just... Uh, I'm not going to say we're going to put him out to pasture, like you said with DeAndre Francois, <laughs> or I said that. I can't remember. I, it was probably me. Was I, it Francois? I thought it was a coach. Oh, and well, I said that uh, it was uh, it was Cutcliffe. Oh, Cutcliffe, that's right. <laughs> I made the DeAndre Francois uh, Heisman Trophy euthanization joke <laughs> after yeah. he broke his leg. Yeah, he was my preseason ACC Heisman pick, and then he snapped his leg against Alabama. Mm-hmm. Shame. Uh, yeah, I I'm about done with with this. With that Mac to Texas A and M, relax. I'm about done with. I am about done with the Mac Brown experience. I think it's been fun. Uh, I, it's been real. It's been fun. It hasn't been real fun for Carolina <laughs> fans, or maybe it has. You know, at least he won all those recruiting battles. Yeah, he, some of them. 
the the whole like getting your team ready to play and in-game coaching thing is starting to wane pretty significantly uh they are just uh, they're flat out underperforming and, and i mean they went eight and four this year good for them they were six and oh but they were six and oh right i mean they, they won two out of their final six here mm-hmm. i mean it's been pretty rough since mid-october they looked totally non-competitive against one of their biggest rivals tonight in a game where they were favored I get it was on the road. I get Carter Finley's not an easy place to play. We say all that stuff. But you and I both saw this coming from a mile away. Maybe not a 19-point game, but I am not shocked even a little bit that NC State won this game by more than a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm not shocked by this. No. We didn't have any expectation that UNC was going to go into Carter Finley and win this game. I mean, we both we, – NC State was like a two-and-a-half-point home dog. We both had NC State outright in this game like it, this is what North Carolina has done and this is the second straight year that you can kind of pick a different time in the year where it started but like there have been late season collapses where they start out and they're you know they're six and oh this year I think last year they were nine and oh or ten and oh even and then they lost like four in a row to end the year last year and now they're two and four and they've got a multiple bad losses in here this is a blowout loss to your rival like yeah there's there's something going on here that this team gets off to hot starts and they recruit well and they look good and then down the stretch it's like they just kind of crumble i mean their two win their two wins in that two and four stretch are campbell and a, a what a double overtime win against duke that they probably shouldn't have won to begin with like yeah, I'm I'm incredibly disappointed in this North Carolina team. Um and, and with this is this is it for Drake May. I mean, he's not a chance if you're Drake May, you're coming no, back he to gone. college. You know, he'll he be gone. a first round draft pick at, at quarterback next year. Um then what? I mean, this is what, four or five years at UNC of Sam Howell and Drake May, and they have very little to show for it. I think they have what made one ACC championship game appearance. Yeah, I mean, arguably. Last year, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Last year. Mm-hmm. Remember when we had divisions? That was cool. <laughs> That's one word for it. <laughs> this game went exactly how we thought, though. Uh, and I'm talking about in terms of, like, game script. Mm-hmm. NC State's really good at stopping the run. If Carolina couldn't run it, they were going to be in a position where Drake May had to throw the ball about 40 times, which is what happened. He threw it 38 times. Mm -hmm. And then, like we said, if he throws it that many times, he's going to turn it over a couple times, which he did. He turned it over twice. Omari and Hampton had nine carries for 28 yards. If you had told me that on Tuesday, Kobe, Kobe. I would have locked up NC State alternate line, you know, minus six and a half or something like that. Like, yeah, if they can't run, the, they've run the ball with Omari and Hampton against everybody all year. And if you had told me that they were not going to get anything in the run game with him in this game, it'd be like they got no shot. Yeah, and I, I forgot. By the way, I forgot the Drake May fumble. So he actually had three turnovers here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I agree with you. If we knew exactly how this game was going to play out, like if we knew with certainty, like the football gods told us that. 
UNC was not going to be able to run the ball here. You and I would have said NC State minus six and a half, seven, seven and a half. Mm-hmm. I would have entertained that up to almost ten. <laughs> this is just this is a bad recipe for North Carolina. They have a terrible defense, so when they have to play from behind, they have a really hard time, yeah. and that's exactly what happened here. So, yeah, this went as anticipated. I. I do want to commend Brian Armstrong. He played really well. Uh, three thirty-four through the air, three touchdown passes, completed twenty-two of his thirty-one passes. He was really good. Casey Concepcion did a little bit of everything. Peyton Wilson was a dude. Um, Ryan House pointing that out. Peyton Wilson really, really good again. We kind of take I, I certainly take him for granted, just because mm-hmm. he's he just brings it every week. So. It's been so long that I've been aware of Peyton Wilson on this defense, and yep, every week, like every week, he's he's involved in big plays, and he's a big deal. Like that guy has to get a shot at the very least on Sundays, if not, might turn into a, a very good player on Sundays. Um, it has been a joy watching him play on that NC State defense. Yeah, yeah, really good, and. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be a day two NFL pick, mm-hmm. despite having all the knee issues he had. So, and I will never forget the night that his brother outdueled Clayton Kershaw in the NLCS uh, in the COVID year. Uh, anyways, different story for a different day. Uh, he, Adam knows about that one. <laughs> it's oddly specific. <laughs> Former brave Bryce Wilson. So, anyways. Um, Interesting to me, Mike, that this NC State offense has been fairly rough all year, like has barely done enough to win the nine games that they've won. You know, seven of them or so, like the, the NC State offense was not impressive. Last two games, they're, they're starting to gel. And I don't know, is this, are things starting to just come together with Robert and I, or I, I don't know what to make of all this. Well, they played two pretty bad rushing defenses last two weeks. That helps. That helps. Uh, I think Brandon Armstrong has kind of adopted an effort attitude, which I like. I kind of felt like he had that before a little bit, but yeah, to some degree, more, maybe more so recently. More so now after he was benched. Uh, I think going back to him's helped. You know, having a guy capable of completing a forward pass is definitely a step in the right direction. He does look healthier running the football. He looks healthier because he had like six weeks off, basically, mm-hmm. outside of gadget plays. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think they're uh, they're getting a little bit of a rhythm. I think they've kind of found their identity a little bit. I think they kind of realize that KC Concepcion is basically their entire offense, so just kind of scheme stuff around him. and Yeah, they just seem more comfortable in what they're doing on offense. KC Concepcion, sorry, KC Concepcion, uh, also a true freshman, I believe. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, that's uh, that's been a revelation as the year has gone on too. He's he's yeah. been really good. Had a lot of big moments for them. Yeah, also, be I've been cur- I've been wondering. The C is redundant, right? Like it's Kevin Concepcion, KC Concepcion, KC, right? Unless he's got a C middle name. I think it's redundant. It's fine. I've just been curious. No, no. Oh, we were I calling him Kevin. About that. Then I 
heard like the last month I've heard KC on the broadcast. I hadn't even thought of that, but now I'm like it's like a glass breaking moment for me, Scott. Thanks for now I'll never look at him the same way. Kevin, uh, uh, Case, um, Kevin, Kevin, Concepcion, Concepcion, basically. <laughs> Great. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, anything else here, Mike? Get good. On. We're NC good. State 39, North Carolina 20. NC Done State, with Mac Brown. Uh, yeah. Uh, don't know what, what we're doing here with UNC. I think there's a chance they move on. Uh, NC State has, what, won five out of six in this series? Is that right? Five in a row, so, I think. Six in a row? Five out of six? I don't know. They've won a lot recently. North Carolina doesn't win this game very often anymore, which yeah. is a sign that you should probably change coaches. Yeah, not lately. And, um, yeah, I definitely wonder, uh, is there a chance that we – I don't think they're going to fire Mac Brown, but I think there might be a uh, retirement coming up. That mm-hmm. We'll see how much that was uh, his idea. Coaches at this age, they don't they don't get fired. They get retired. Does Mac Brown even know what a cell phone is? <laughs> I don't know. We we should probably ask some of his recruits. Might be able yeah. to break some new make break some new ground here. Mac Brown. What is to Twitter? To handle his cell phone, and Twitter, and stuff. Next, be Next. a full time job. Next, NC State thirty nine, North Carolina twenty. Number twenty four, Clemson sixteen, South Carolina seven. Speaking of games that went kind of exactly as we thought. Now, I will say, I thought Clemson would have a little bit more success here uh, running the football. They kind of just went up against a stacked box all night and just kept running it anyway, which I do appreciate. I do appreciate that. That's a sign that they've realized what their offensive identity is. Clemson ran the ball 46 times here for 219 yards. So it's it's not great. It's less than five yards per carry with that volume. It's not spectacular. Uh, but they, uh, it was a commitment to who they are. Throwing the football, yikes. Not good. Cade Klobnik, we've, got, we've had a lot of Kobe Bryant Memorial volume shooter of the week <laughs> candidates so far on this podcast tonight. I think this is number three or number four, and I think they are all extremely worthy. So maybe we break out like a Russell Westbrook, like you have like a 1A, you, you know, you got your, your A and your 1A. Uh, Cade Klubnik, 15 of 27 for 100 yards and an interception. For those doing the math at home, that is sub four yards per attempt. So bad. Um, yeah. The, the whole, so like, bad, they, dude. They've developed an identity thing. It's, yeah, commit to the run and do not ask Cade to do almost anything in the passing game. And I'll be honest, it's a little bit disappointing for a guy who was a former five-star, like, all-everything recruit. Well, Joey, speaking of former five-star recruits, let me uh, let me do the pleasure of reading you Spencer Rattler's stat line this evening. Yeah. How'd that go? D- don't worry. He threw for more yards than Cade Klubnik. <laughs> he was 16 of 32 for, for 100. more feet. <laughs> for one. 100- 112 yards and interception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sight for sore eyes. Joey, these two quarterbacks threw the ball a combined 59 times for 212 yards <laughs> and two picks. 
Somebody call the sickos committee. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Once again, this was a football game. Um, <laughs> brought to you by Iowa. Um, so bad, Joey. Yeah. It was rough. so bad. Pretty rough. Do not talk uh, to me about Iowa. <laughs> Scott is upset. Scott had the over, over 24 and a half in Iowa, Nebraska, and uh, that, that did not. Scott, here, here's, here's the thing. When you bet unders on Iowa games, you just make a bunch of money. So I'd recommend that you start doing that. Look, I was all about it until it hit 24 and a half, and I was like, that's literally 13 to 12. <laughs> And Scott, what was the final? Didn't what was the there. final score? <laughs> Thirteen to ten. I was praying for overtime at ten to ten to try to get there. I feel like if you look at the scoreboard in this game and you see it's a nine-point game, you would think, "Oh, that was like kind of close." It was not that close. Like, not that it was like a big blowout, but just like South Carolina scores a touchdown what late in the first quarter. And after that, just did nothing with the ball all day long. Um, this is this is a, an absolute clinic put on by Clemson's defense in this game that they just let South Carolina do nothing. They tried to get the ball out of Rattler's hands quickly to avoid him getting sacked all night. I do appreciate that. The problem is Clemson's defense is really, really, really fast. So it just, you cannot just throw the ball laterally. Volusia's uh, <laughs> one- orange. He called him the chicken. Uh, chicken had one total yard in the second and third quarters combined. Good is grief. The, is the chicken just the team or just Spencer Rattler? I think that's the Gamecocks. Uh, oh, okay. Chickens. I was going to say, if you're referring to Spencer Rattler as a chicken, then the chicken was playing like a little bit of a cock. <sighs> it's nice. appropriate. It's the Gamecocks. Thank you very much. Running around with his head cut off. Um, yeah. Not great. He, it's not Rattler's fault. It has not been his fault all year. I mean, the, the stat line's ugly, but like that offensive line is JP. Yes, it's his fault for transferring there, but this is like a junior varsity offensive line i mean this is this is a pathetic offensive line yeah like rough your back for south carolina here if if shane wants to be serious about like being the coach there for more than a couple more years he probably should get an offensive line Mm -hmm. yeah something along those lines um yeah i don't have a whole lot else here this was a there there was a, a funny play early in this game so what was it like south carolina had the ball uh they they got the ball to start the game ran two plays there was a fumble return for a touchdown by Clemson okay so so seven nothing Clemson they kick off South Carolina gets the ball back first play interception so South Carolina has snapped the ball three times on offense turned it over twice and Clemson scores a touchdown off of that um so not not the best start on offense for South Carolina in this game just by the way I believe the touchdown and the interception were all by the same guy, Khalil Barnes. Khalil Barnes, yeah. Yep. That's that's the thing. Like, I, Good job, Khalil did, Barnes. I, I'm glad you brought this up. The fact that South Carolina had two turnovers in the first 44 seconds of this game. Mm-hmm. Just simply hysterical. Yeah. And then they just 
didn't really score the entire game. I will say it was nice for Clemson to get a seven nothing lead instantly and then to win a game sixteen to seven. Um they were spotted a touchdown and then kicked three field goals. The second half drive chart is either hilarious or horrifying, by the way, in case you wanted to uh review that real quick. Uh why don't, why don't you go ahead and run us through that? Clemson gets the ball to start the second half, and it goes. <clears throat> <laughs> Field goal, punt, interception, punt, 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 downs, end of game. Why? 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 And for South Carolina, uh, two of those punts were three and outs. So, yeah, just doing absolutely, absolutely nothing with the ball all day. Yeah. So, uh, good on Clemson's defense. Uh, yeah, I mean, they they did what they do. Yeah. The Losers Horn is spot on. This is an ultimate example of a set on them game. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. South Carolina does nothing. There was not a single point in this game I thought South Carolina was going to win. Basically, yep. So. Clemson, 16, South Carolina, 7. Uh, number 5, Florida State, 24, Florida, 15. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buddy. Uh, it's a really good thing Florida State has Trey Benson on their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he bailed them out a bunch yeah. tonight. Uh, had the three touchdown runs, had the one late to pull away, had one to put him ahead. Florida was leading this game a couple different times. Florida State really had nothing on offense uh, in the passing game whatsoever. Tate Rodemaker, 12 of 25, 134 yards. He died in the fourth quarter. Uh, he went scrambling out to his right trying to pick up a first down. It was third third and a ton. It was like third and 16 maybe. He took off. Right. Yeah, and he took off running out to his right and had a lot of grass in front of him to his credit. He is not the... Uh, He's not the mover and shaker that Jordan Travis is, to put it nicely. Nope. nope. And uh, he He's was like gal- yards. He was galloping like a deer a little bit, and then he went and slid down and got killed by two Florida defenders, one of which was uh, called for targeting and ejected from the game because <laughs> what are you supposed to do, really, when a quarterback slides that late, which I kind of I hate it, but... I, Whatever. Uh, I, I had this on the second screen, and I saw when this happened. And when I saw the flag come out, it's like, oh, yeah, it's unnecessary roughness. 
Like, I figure that's 15 yards and just move on. I didn't really think of it until they started going back to review it. It was like, oh, that did kind of look like – I guess that was kind of targeting. Um, and there was a second defender that came in. I mean, at the end of the day, the guy slides. He, you don't have to go in after a quarterback who's sliding. He's technically down. Kenny Pickett taught us this, right? You start the slide and you're down unless you fake the slide and then you like kind of take off down the sideline. But yeah. he wasn't faking the slide. He was just sliding. And at that point, he's down. But two defenders go in after him, and one of them is like a helmet-to-helmet shot. And, yeah, it was not pretty. Uh, Rotomaker, I wouldn't, I, I'm not sure he knows where he is, what day it is. I don't know what – he knows what happened the rest of the game. Like, man, it was a shot that he took. And uh, they brought in Brock Glenn after that. But, um, yeah, first down, and then I think it was a few plays later that uh, Trey Benson goes in and scores a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think that's correct. Yeah. Um, Mark Stoops tweeted out something. FYI. Oh, no. oh Mark did Stoops he? Stoops has Twitter? He tweeted out, uh, I quote, I know there's been much speculation about me and my job situation the last couple of days. It's true I was contacted about a potential opportunity this weekend, but after celebrating a big win against our rivals with players I love like family, I knew in my heart I couldn't leave the University of Kentucky right now. Oh, I have a great right job now. at a place right I now. love, right now, and I get to work with the best administration and greatest fan base in college football right where I'm at. I'm excited to say I'm a Wildcat, oh, end quote. Oh, God. Wow. Louisville, Louisville kept Mark Stoops in a job. Do you oh. really believe that? No, I don't believe that for a second. We'll get to that game. That that was a – never mind. Anyways. I don't believe uh, – let me let, let me be clear oh. here. I don't believe Mark Stoops when he says that the reason why he's staying is because he beat Louisville. <laughs> Give me a break. I would bet part of the reason he's staying at Kentucky is he's got about the cushiest job in the country. If you win seven games, you get a contract extension. Like it's basically written into his contract. Like, and they pay him. They pay him like he's a top five. Stoops is a very good coach. On for the record, good coach. Very yeah. What, he gets have been a terrible hire for AM. Like, no, no, no. Would, would not have been. Would not have been. They could do a lot worse than Mark Stoops, regardless of what their fan base, their delusional fan base thinks. Don't even get me started on the AM fans. You you live down there, Joey, in Texas, and you have to deal with them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I am so sorry. These people are lunatics. You have no idea. They are they are crazy people. Dabo's gonna be a better hire. <laughs> Insert the Bart Scott. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I mean, they're, yeah, they're they're. <laughs> I I didn't know before I moved down here, but I've I've learned. Um, but anyways, it's I don't know. We'll see what they do. Um, no, Mark Stoops did not stay at Kentucky because he just realizes he loves Lexington and the Wildcats. No, after they won to, against Louisville today, give me a friggin' break. Grow no. up. They. Uh... He's getting a nice little pay raise. Mm-hmm. Nice little pay raise. Uh, Florida missed two field goals in the first half. And just very little about this game in the first half went in any way the way that I expected it to go. Um, Florida State was in a, in a 12 nothing hole. There was a safety, by the way. Uh, Florida punts the ball, gets it down to the six, and then Tate Rotomaker just – Backup quarterback stuff rolls back into the end zone, gets tackled, and that's it. Uh, it's a safety. <laughs> Th- those are the rules. Um, 
Florida State gets the ball with about four minutes left in the half. Ten plays, 90 yards, touchdown. That felt like the absolute gotta-have-it moment of this game for, for the Knowles. Was you, you, they were getting shut out the entire first half. They were really struggling to get any sort of momentum on offense. And uh, that felt like a big turning point here. And then, by the way, Florida turns around and gets the ball back. Uh, they go down and kick a 52-yard field goal and miss. Uh, and that was a uh, also a big moment here. So I, I think Florida State got a lot of momentum going into the half. They come out six plays, 75 yards, touchdown after the half. And uh, that was uh, really a huge deal in the way this whole game went. Yeah. Uh, Billy Napier. Yes. Yikes, man. I don't think Florida's going to withhold that for that much longer. Uh, yeah. Two under 500 seasons in a row. Missed a bowl game. Yeah. I mean, again, weird day. Backup quarterback. I don't know. I don't know many Florida fans, but I know that Florida usually aspires for more than this. They don't love him. I'll tell you that. They don't love him as much as they once did. I mean, they've had two of the better college football head coaches of the last 30 years and Spurrier and Urban Meyer. I was about right? to say, wow, that's really high praise for Dan Mullen and Jim McElwain. <laughs> All I'm saying is they got rid of Dan Mullen after one five and six season. So what are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, I've heard Dan Mullen's name come up for Syracuse. and I think there's much worse hires that Syracuse could make just while we're talking about Dan Mullen. Scheme guy. Mm-hmm. Dan Mullen can... doesn't want to really get in the mud in the recruiting game. Guess where you don't have to. Dude's Upstate ball coach. He can he can draw he can draw some stuff up. Mm-hmm. He can develop some quarterbacks. His whole claim to fame, you remember, once upon a time, was he had recruited Nick Fitzgerald to uh, Mississippi State, and somebody asked him in the post game press conference, like, you know, where did you recruit him against? And he his famous line was. With a cigar in his mouth, I believe, was UT Chattanooga. Yeah. That guy can make some uh, chicken salad. So, uh, worst hires you can make. It's a great saying, by the way. It's a great, yeah, it's a great saying. Uh, Florida State survives and advances. And after watching this, I know that I know what we saw in Louisville. I would not put it past this Florida State team to lose next weekend. Oh, no. Currently favored by five and a half points. Uh, Evan was asking in the comments. I went to look. Five and a half is the line right now. I think I want the points with Louisville. Mm. Oh, we're going to have a whole episode on it. Yeah, we will. Hmm. We'll get there. We'll see what the health report says about Tate Rodemaker here in a couple days if he, like, knows where he is or you know how old he is or anything like that but yeah, we'll see we'll i see. am i am 12 <laughs> i'm 12 <laughs> good reference thank you thank you um i do think there's something to be said for florida state's two big receivers um johnny wilson did have six catches in this game keon coleman only had one and with the drop in the end zone yeah, horrible drop horrible drop good now, the availability for those two guys has been spotty 
down the stretch. And it, I just, it doesn't feel like they are fully healthy, either one of them. We were all amazed the first three or four weeks of the year by Keon Coleman. And that has not been the case the last month or so. And I, I, that feels like a health issue more than a, everyone's catching up to him thing. It's a bummer because I want to dunk on Danny Cannell's really bad take that Keon Coleman is better than Marvin Harris Jr. Not recently he's not. I like Keon Coleman. What are we doing? Yep. Like, yeah. Mike, are we uh, are we sticking to our guns? In terms of our conference championship winner? Josh depends. Win and you're in. Knowles. Oh, in terms of... It's true. They will be in if they win. If they win next week, they're 13-0, undefeated Power 5 conference champions. They'll be in. There's a first time for everything. But, man... Well, I'll tell you what. I Do think I think they should be in? Yes. A Power 5 conference... An undefeated Power 5 conference champion in the college football playoff They'll era. They'll be in. Has never been left out. They'll be in. But I, I think they should be in. But, man, well, Washington looked a little dicey against Washington State today. So maybe not. Yeah, they did. Maybe not. Maybe not. Cougar but almost got it done. I was going to say, if Oregon wins the conference title... And Washington was looking a little bit more impressive than they have lately. You'd entertain it, wouldn't you? I, I don't think you could do that with the way they've looked over the past well, six I weeks, think, really. I think Oregon has a slot if they win. No, 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 they do. I'm, I'm talking about Washington. Oh, Oregon's okay, in. Okay. Oregon's going to be in. Okay. Oregon's going to be in if they win. Okay. Okay. I'm saying, I, I got to tell you, kind of separate from this whole, like, is Florida State in or not discussion? Yeah. If Oregon wins next week and gets in the I playoff. Know. They're dangerous. Spooky. They might be the scariest of the teams that make the playoff. They're dangerous. Spooky. They are good, good. That's Heisman winner, Bo Nix. <laughs> Can no longer call him Bo Picks. Like he used Heisman to be called. runner up to Jaden Daniels, by the way. But anyways. They really oh, going to give Jaden Daniels okay. the trophy? Eight wins? I oh. would. Nine, I would I guess. Nine. I will say, I, you know, I, I do like Bo Nix. Uh, he's second in a lot of categories, Jaden Daniels. <laughs> so one thing I'll say. I didn't like he's how they left him in against Georgia State last week just to pad his stats, though. That was annoying. Yeah, was like, annoying. get in there, kid. Beat Georgia State by 60. I understand 60. that. Okay. I understand that was a Brian Kelly move to try to win his quarterback, the Heisman. But I'll tell you Scott, what, he's been doing this all year. NCAA 14? Like, oh, I did. I, I would win the Heisman every year. I am well aware. Yeah, you pad your stats against the FCS Southeast team or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you're doing. You get it. Yeah. Uh, Florida State, 24, Florida, 15. Lee Nobody said he, shoot, I missed all the show. Well, you missed the Georgia Tech analysis, but good news for you, Lee. We're only halfway through the show. You got here just in time for the uh, Oregon-Texas debate. <laughs> Oh, good. It's about that time. Oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, where to? 
Should we go somewhere else or we do some uh, podcast business? Let's do podcast business and I'll figure out where we go next. There we go. We are sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Uh, I cop some Homefield Apparel Black Friday gear. Mm-hmm. I got 20% off my order. So did Mike's I, mom. And Mike's mom used the link in the description so that it helped her son twice because the gift was for her son. Christmas gift. I sent my mom. First time we ever brought Mike's mom into a, uh, a podcast. Easy. Easy. Use the promo code. Go. <laughs> Use the promo code GOACC for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. I did that mostly to make Joey laugh, and now I'm thinking about where we could have possibly been going with an ad read. Anyway, uh, vintage collegiate apparel, awesome throwback logos, designs that you're not going to see at your traditional college bookstore, homefieldapparel.com. Great stuff. For those Appreciate unaware, Mike's mother is my mother-in-law. So, <laughs> yes, that's how I knew that. Scott, sorry. And and while we're and just to close the loop here, Scott is married to my younger sister. Mm-hmm. Got that loop closed. Beautiful. Uh, do you need tickets, Joey? Scott, tickets to anything? Tickets? Can I get you tickets? Uh, I believe there's a national title game actually coming my direction down here in Houston. So. I might be looking for tickets just for you know just for funsies. That's that's one way to describe the split zone duo live show. Well, I already got tickets for that. That's that's not a vivid seat. That's not a vivid seat. National be. title game is. Yes, uh, BC Pod twenty for twenty dollars off your first order of two hundred dollars or more. I'm pretty sure you have to pay two hundred dollars to access the website for a national title game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's, the, that, that's taxes and fees actually I believe. So if you want to go see the Florida State Seminoles play in the national championship. <clears throat> Use the promo code BCPOD20. $20 off your first order. $200 or more. What's really important about this ad read, you need to use the link. Use the link in the description, in the in the YouTube description, in the episode description, if you're listening on audio. Use the link in the description first, and then once you get there, use our promo code. Get $20 off first order, $200 or more. Do it. There we go. Championship game next weekend. Bowl yeah. game season. Major League Baseball games next year. NFL games still going on. NBA in season tournament. You going to those games? NHL, Scott. You hit your parlay yesterday. NHL. <laughs> uh, I did not, but I did like eleven out of fifteen. So that was pretty good. Scott bet <laughs> ten cents to win like nine hundred bucks on an NHL parlay yesterday. <laughs> fifteen leg NHL money night money line parlay hit eleven out of fifteen. For ten cents, it's pretty good. They give you at least like three, four hundred bucks for that, right? It was nine hundred if I hit it all. Yeah, but only, but for eleven, I get oh, nothing. For, oh, for, <laughs> oh, damn it! That's how that works. <sighs> Frustrating. Anyways, okay, where to, Mike? Miami forty-five, Boston College twenty. Bro, it it brings me no pleasure. Scott, play the. Uh, a little bit of pleasure. It's gonna bring me a little bit of pleasure. Hey, Scott, play the bang bang sound for me. What? Bang bang bang! You're dead. Yeah, this was never really that competitive. I mean, it was seven to seven after the first quarter, but Miami was really enjoying moving the football on Boston College. They really were. They were um, having a good time with that. They they took their time. 
they were three for three on fourth downs. Uh, they ended up with well over 500 yards of offense. I never really felt like Miami was like trying really hard. They didn't dig all that deep into the playbook. I didn't feel like Tyler Van Dyke played all that well. But this was like Miami cared just enough to show that they could wipe the floor with Boston College here. Like that's kind of what it felt like. Not to mention Boston College's offense was basically just entirely Thomas Castellanos. Like, yeah, and he's all they better got. or worse. And I don't think he was fully healthy, but it, you know, that was all they had. Held the ball. Miami did for thirty-eight minutes. They had five hundred thirty-two total yards of offense. They just sustained uh, drives. It was just this slow plodding. They eventually got there all the time. Boston College just could not get off the field. Mm-mm. It's not like Miami was tasked with like picking up a bunch of third down conversions either. It's <laughs> the thing. Like, yeah, they were six thirteen on third down. Um, ran the ball really well. Stayed ahead of the chains. BC had no answer defensively. Offensively, just. Castellanos is the entire offense. He threw for 151. He ran for 130. Uh, Boston College's other two running backs, Kai Robichaux and Alex Broom, had seven carries for 13 yards. Robichaux had the uh, the touchdown run on the first drive of the game. He kind of did the – I don't know what the what the leap would be. You know, you hand it over hand, – hand it off to a running back, and he just, like, kind of cannonballs over the top of the line at the one-yard line. He, he did yeah. that for a touchdown on the first drive, and that was about the only thing of note that they asked him to do. Once again, might be a health thing for him. Uh, he hasn't been healthy the final month of the show of the year. I, Yeah, I don't know. This this was, this was didn't feel like Boston College had a, a plan that was designed to be all that successful. Um, we saw some of Boston College Twitter – going off during this game of like, why are we throwing the ball this much? And I think honestly, Mike, you can, some of the stuff that Boston college has done over the final half of the year, you know, it it makes sense to chalk it up to like talent and capabilities. If, if there's really like a coaching scheme, play calling question, it probably is how pass happy they've gotten at times when it is clear that Thomas Castellanos is not very good at throwing the ball. And yet, I mean, I guess, again, you were down in this game, so it makes sense that you would even have like a 50%, you know, kind of a balanced 25 passes, 26 runs, you know, whatever. But, like, they have done this a couple times down the stretch where all of a sudden they're getting really pass happy, and it's like, you are not a team that is built to throw the ball. Stop trying it. And, and so I felt like that was, if anything, there was, that was the biggest coaching malpractice here was, like, stop throwing the ball. Yeah. Yeah. But they refused. Can't stop doing it. Yeah. Can't stop. Won't stop. Uh, I believe, uh, I want to say Henry Parrish Jr. went out with an injury in this game. By the way, I'll call that out. Um that it didn't look good. He had a good day too, by the way, 11 carries for 111 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he left, I think it was in the fourth quarter with an injury that did not look all that good. And uh, not, you know, I don't know how good injuries normally look, but his didn't, didn't look very good in general. So 
Hope he's okay. Um, Xavier Restrepo, once again, I I don't know what it is with teams that play Miami, but basically nobody seems like they really make it a point to cover Xavier Restrepo because he is just always, always open. Yeah. Um, six catches for 117 yards here. I don't know how he didn't score a touchdown because, again, that's what he does. But, um, yeah, again, if you, if you watch this game for like two hours – I don't know that it felt like Miami was three scores better than Boston College, but on the uh, on the whole, they were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, play this game ten times. Boston College, I don't, I don't think will be competitive in that many of them. I think we have to. So this is this is the thing, Mike. Is we need to commit a year from now. When Miami inevitably loses to Florida State again, we need to commit that we will not buy into the Miami quitting after losing to Florida State thing because Mario is not letting it happen. It didn't happen last year. It's not happening this year. There's a, at least while Mario is there, there is a uh, there's a new rule in place that they do not quit just because they lost to Florida State. Remind me in 12 months. I'll ask like Siri or my other home automation system that I don't want to trigger right now. Fair. Deal. Halfley. Ain't it. Keeping him. Ain't it. Nope. I think nope. Keeping him. See him. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. They're going to do that, but see you later. Like I thought he would be fired by today, I, but they'll wait till I, Monday. They're going to keep him. They're going to keep him. They shouldn't, but they're going to. I don't Seems think stupid. it's that different of a discussion than Syracuse. And I know that we've had the, the Boston College conversation before in this podcast of, like, what do we expect? And I think expecting anything better than 7-5 and five on a yearly basis is too much. Um, I don't know. I think it's better than Syracuse. At least it's in a major city with great sports history. Especially yeah. in the past twenty years, but I know that doesn't mean much specifically to Boston College. But to me, oh, I get to go to Boston College, and maybe I get to see the Red Sox play, or the Patriots play, or the Bruins play, or the Celtics play. I don't know. That's like the thing I would think of as going to college. I, don't know. I just think of like major, major recruiting hotbeds. You know. Yeah, it's not a major one. I'm just trying to think. I think it's better than Syracuse. Go go start looking at like the 24-7 top 250 rankings and start lining them up by how many are in each state and how many of them would have to go like two states or less to get to Boston College. Right? Like how many of them are in Florida, Georgia, Texas, California? Uh, Ohio. Louisiana, Ohio, even Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, you know, like distance becomes an issue. And, you know, so it kind of limits, I think, the potential. But we don't have to, like, relitigate this. But it's – I think there's – so I, Boston College is 6-6, six and six, right? Like, and that's – okay, they made a bowl game. It, it's kind of hard to criticize Boston College for that. But, again – there's six wins. How many of them were one score wins over D- 
decidedly bad FBS teams. Honestly, the only good win I would say was at Georgia Tech, and I'm I'm not trying to prop up my Georgia Tech team, but like that was the only win that they've had in the regular season by more than one score, and four of them I believe were by you know it was bottom 100 team yeah outside of the top hundred or FCS teams, like. It is hard to defend this as a resume of like, oh yeah, like they should keep the coach. I mean, the Halfley is averaging almost a full win less per year than Steve Adazio did. Like, how long are we gonna do this? Yeah. So Adazio was pretty much perpetually seven and six. All right. Twenty thirteen. I'm gonna read. He was fired after 2019. I'm going to read the 2013 through 2019 records for Adazio. Ready? 7 and 6, 7 and 6, 3 and 9, 7 and 6, 7 and 6, 7 and 5, 6 and 6. Then he was fired. Okay? He's a 7 win coach. He was 7 and 5 at Boston College pretty much every year. All right? Plus the bowl game, whatever. Which he would never win, which is why they were always 7 and 6. I say if they were 6 and 6, they'd win the bowl game. If they were 7 and 5, they'd lose the bowl game. Like that was. Yeah, they always ended up at seven and six by hook or by crook. Like Yes. Okay. Twenty twenty through twenty twenty three. This is Halfley. Six and five. Six and six. Three and nine. Six and six. Downgrade. It's a downgrade. How much longer are we gonna do this? They're gonna give him another year, probably, at least. But I think so. It's a downgrade from Adazio. This is not what it was supposed to be. I think there's plenty of reason for skepticism when we get to preview season about what is Boston College next year. Yeah, consider me out on them. <laughs> I was out on them before the year. I've been, I've made. There's some ass. I've told you. No, you you're not in on Boston College. <laughs> <laughs> they shock you. Hope you're sitting down. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Miami forty-five. Boston College twenty. Virginia Tech 55, UVA 17. The time has come for me to just. I mean, Virginia was Virginia was totally unprepared, man. Mm -hmm. Totally unprepared. Um, Anthony Calandria. So I'm sure he's a nice a little bit. I'm sure I'm you know sure he's, you don't want that smoke, son. You don't want I'm that sure, smoke. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's a nice kid. I'm sure he's a nice kid. Um, I am pulling this up exactly what he said word for word last week. Uh, last week. Uh, let's see here. Scroll, 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 scroll. Good podcasting. Here it is. Perfect. November eighteenth. After he's. After this game versus Tech, after we beat Virginia Tech, this program is going to shoot up and everyone in the country is going to know about us. That's what he said. They're going to know about potentially 4-8 and eight University of Virginia football? Yeah, okay. Right. I have bad news for you. I got bad news. Uh, so Virginia Tech won 55-17. Mike Barber of the Richmond Times-Dispatch asked Tony Elliott about that quote from Anthony Calandria. Uh Long and short of it is, Elliot talked to his freshman quarterback about it as soon as he saw it, 
and told Mike Barber that it was a teachable moment for a young player. <laughs> to which I quote tweeted and said, LOL, yeah, I'll say. Because <laughs> that's exactly what it was. And then basically the entire Virginia Tech defense was interviewed after this game. And <laughs> all of them said it was bulletin board material. It was up you know, in the facility all week. They were looking at it all week while they were practicing. Because that's, that's what happens, right? That, that, mm-hmm. That's... It's a rivalry. You need it for a bowl game. Every piece of extra motivation you can get. So what did Virginia Tech do, Joey, defensively? Six sacks. And uh, by my count, ten tackles for loss. And countless QB hits. He was getting pummeled the entire night. He got destroyed in this game. He had no time to do anything here. I mean, again, six sacks is a lot. That does not count the number of times that he was knocked down, hurried, etc. That, I mean, this was incredibly uncomfortable for him on offense the entire night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, UVA had, ne- this is not adjusted for sacks, obviously. They had negative 16 yards rushing at halftime. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were outgained a lot to a little <laughs> at halftime. Virginia Tech had like 300 yards of offense. Virginia was- didn't. Have, 24 to nothing at halftime. It was 24 nothing. Virginia Tech scored on the first drive of the second half. Make it 31 nothing. Uh Hokies had a lot of explosive plays <laughs> offensively, mm-hmm. which I would say they're not repeatable. And I think in a lot of ways that's true. But they're they're repeatable against really bad opponents, which is what Virginia Tech's been doing for a lot of their ACC schedule, their wins. They've been doing this like this game script has been present in all of their wins their mm-hmm. defensive line they look like an sec defensive line against like some of these really really bad offensive lines they look incredible up front and then they hit on every long run and pass play you can think of today they added in a 94 yard touchdown run by Bashal Tootin. this was kick off what i say punt return you said run but Kickoff oh, return. I'm sorry. Kickoff return. Mm-hmm. Misspoke. A 94-yard kickoff return. The box score doesn't even really tell the full story of what kind of beatdown this was. Like, if you were just looking at the stats, you were like, oh, that's a little weird. Virginia Tech only had X amount of first downs. I like, texted you at that, at that at one point. It's like, Virginia Tech only has, like, 12 first downs in this game. They're up 41 to 10. Uh, it's like... I, th- I thought Some about of this stuff doesn't make sense. Like, I thought about tweeting this uh, at one point. You know, Virginia had scored on consecutive possessions. They kicked a field goal, and then Calandria threw a touchdown pass. They had scored ten points consecutive possessions. Virginia Tech offense had not scored, but that's because they hadn't been on the field because Bashal Tootin had the ninety-four yard <laughs> kick return. So it's like. I don't know, man. Like, every time UVA had, like, even a little bit of an opportunity, like, early in the game, they didn't do anything with it. Uh, This was just, it was pretty clear from the start what kind of game this was going to be. Virginia Tech's defense was just up Calandria, well, phrasing. They were on Calandria's ass. They were on Calandria's ass for, I, from the jump. I mean, it was clear that he was not going to have time to throw the entire game, and he didn't. And this was just a complete and utter beatdown. Now, I will say a couple of items that were, you know, left to be desired for Virginia Tech. They had 10 penalties for 116 yards. 
That's not great. That's the most penalty yards they've had all year. It's not good, right? So so that wasn't great. They had a really bad red zone turnover uh, in the first half where they were already up a few scores, but they were really about to put the game away. It ended up being inconsequential because UVA didn't do anything. Virginia Tech scored a touchdown the next drive, so it meant absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Kyron Drones fumbled inside the five-yard line. Just wasn't a great turnover. So there's stuff you could clean up if you're Virginia Tech. But to not play, I would say, like, your A-plus game and still win 55-17, to 17, you're a rebuilding team, man. And, like, I would like to say, hand up, like, I was wrong. UVA is as bad as their record. I've changed I, my mind. I wonder a little bit. If, if they played this game ten times... I don't think this is the only time that it gets totally out of hand, but like, I think Virginia is capable of winning this game one or two out of ten times, and I think it would have been closer more frequently, but it does seem like this completely got away from Virginia relatively early on. And then I felt like the the real, like, most mind-blowing moment of this game was in the, in the second half. So Virginia gets the ball out of halftime. They go six plays, 16 yards. They, they punt it. Uh, Virginia Tech gets the ball on their, uh, on their own 16-yard line. One play, Daquan Felton, 84 yards to the house. It's 31 to nothing. Virginia gets the ball. Nine plays, 68 yards, and with fourth and six on the seven-yard line. They're seven yards away from pay dirt. Down 31 points. Down 31 points. Tony Elliott says, boys, we're kicking it. Send the field goal. Dude, what are we doing sending the field goal unit out down 31 points? The only thing that makes sense is the goal here is don't get shut out. That's the only thing that makes sense. And and producer Scott, spot on. Soft. Soft, soft. That is a horrible call. They send the field goal unit out. They kick it. They get it. It's now 31 to 3. Congratulations, Tony Elliott. For eight Bay- seconds. Bayshell Tootin <laughs> runs back the kickoff for in 11 seconds, and you're now down by more than you started down. Like, good grief, Tony Elliott. That was the that was the moment that it was like. You don't have a shot at getting back into this game. I like I do like when coaches play not to get blown out when they're already getting blown out. Well done. I personally loved it. Great game. I yeah, I had a good <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah. I enjoyed myself watching this. Stress this free. Stress free. Yeah, it was twenty four nothing at halftime and forty eight to ten at the end of the third quarter. So uh yeah. Fun fact, uh, that's the most points Virginia Tech has ever scored against Virginia. Wow. Kind of surprising in a way. And a rebuild. <laughs> yep. The second most points ever scored was two times they scored 52 points. One of those was my senior year in 2016. We won 52 to 10. Hmm. It was also a stress-free day. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Hokies 55, Virginia 17. Anything else from the from the two of y'all? Before uh, we move on here. Embarrassing. 
Yeah, this was uh, this was brutal from Virginia. Yeah, just a rough showing. More more or less a no show. And again, I don't think it was as much a no show in the first half, but saw a little bit of loafing in the second half of uh, kind of that letting go of the rope thing. So not great. Yeah, uh, Kentucky thirty-eight, number ten, Louisville thirty-one. We haven't talked about this game in a whole lot of detail yet. We've alluded to it. Uh, I was happy talking about my my Yellow Jackets keeping it, you know, within one score against Georgia. I am not happy to be talking about my Louisville Cardinals keeping it within one score, Kentucky. They really screwed the pooch here. Yes, they did. Yes, they really they screwed did. the pooch here. Uh, like you mentioned, Louisville was leading this game thirty-one to twenty-four. Uh, Devin Leary threw an interception with uh, 4.48 to go in the fourth quarter. Bad interception, by the way. A really and, bad interception. And we keep describing turnovers as bad, in, like as if there are good turnovers. It's more like some of them are kind of excusable. This one was inexcusable. Like he's he's in the process of being sacked and just sort of hucks it up there like – no, 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 just just take the sack, move on, you know, live to play another down. Instead, he floats it up there. Louisville intercepts it. Probably is pretty close to running it back for a touchdown, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Louisville threw a touchdown pass. Uh, Plummer to Amari Huggins-Bruce, former Virginia Tech recruit. Uh, Arguably that, best play of the season for Jack Plummer on that th- touchdown pass. Great too, throw. Way. Great throw. Uh, thought it was going to be stripped. Thought it would be tipped. Neither one happened. Touchdown Louisville. Like, wow. Quickly. Uh, so, I mean, now it's a tie game, and if you're Louisville, you're like, okay, we're back from the brink. We blew a lead, and then we let them get ahead, but then we force a big turnover, and we you know, we punch it in mm-hmm. and score a really important touchdown on fourth down, by the way. I didn't mention that. It was fourth down on that pass by Plummer. So, like, you had to have it, and he got it. So now we're tied again. So now it's just get it to overtime, right? There's like two minutes to go. Just get it to overtime. You're at home. Extend the game as long as possible because, in theory, you have the better team. It's tied. They're going to try to kick a field goal, so you need to keep them out of field goal range. Just keep them. Basically the goal here. Keep them out of field goal range. Get it to overtime. Kentucky goes four plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple explosive plays here. Mm-hmm. They had a 23-yard pass the last two. Uh, it was a 23-yard pass and a 37-yard touchdown run by Ray Davis. And it was like a blink of an eye, you're down seven again. And then Plummer, of course, threw the interception because, you know, surprise. <laughs> really just ugly. And, and I just kind of talked you through what was happening when Louisville was down seven. Getting to the point where they were down seven is the part that's that Joey's going to be very frustrated about because they had a lead in the second half. Looked like for extended Two parts of this game, extended parts of this game looked like they were going to pull away and win relatively big here, and they couldn't do it. And then they just screwed around. They let Kentucky back into the point where Kentucky was leading. Louisville had to come back from the brink on fourth down. And then you just let him score in four plays mm-hmm. after you did all that. It was rough, man. That was a rough watch. Um, super weird game 
by the way. Mm-hmm. If you if you just look at the box score, you would more or less just not be able to figure out how Kentucky ends up with more points in this game. Louisville outgains them by over 100 yards. Uh, Kentucky was bad on third downs. Like there's Kentucky wasn't penalized in this game, which maybe the ESPN box score I'm looking at isn't right, but that it's not possible for a team in a competitive matchup to just not be penalized for 60 minutes, I'm guessing. But um, really, the like Louisville owned the time of possession. This was honestly kind of reminiscent of the pit loss for Louisville that they were the better team on a vast majority of plays, and there were just a select handful of moments that Kentucky was better that they won the game. And I texted you guys in the middle of this game saying when, when Louisville at the time was minus two in turnovers and they were down and it was like, well, when you're minus two in turnovers and Kentucky ran back a kickoff for a touchdown, it's hard to win games like that. And that's what happened with Louisville here is you gave up, you gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown. Kentucky had another touchdown drive of like, what was it? One play 20 yards or something like that. I mean, you gave up a lot of cheap points to Kentucky, and this is where I think you, to some degree, you start getting into like there. There's something that just is like in the air with this rivalry, right? Is like these teams are not on unequal footing. This is this is a fair fight rivalry, which I think a lot of the ones that we talked about with the ACC, they are Georgia Georgia Tech, not a fair fight rivalry. This one is like there is not a good reason that one team should be way better than the other. Uh, and yet, Louisville keeps finding ways to lose this game to Kentucky year over year. It's easy to blame Scott Satterfield for a lot of that. That's fine. I, I will blame Scott Satterfield for a lot of that. This is a really irritating loss. And honestly, this is probably the low point of year one for Jeff Brom. Is I, The pit loss looks worse on paper. This is now a 7-5 and five Kentucky team. But like... You, you weren't overlooking this Kentucky team, even with the ACC championship game next week. You're not overlooking this team, and yet you still screwed around. You made mistakes. You, you weren't focused enough to win this game. Brutal for Louisville. This is a, a, a real uh, a real fly in the ointment. I feel like for uh, for how good this season has been up till this point. Another great, another great saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Th- this is gross. This is really irritating to watch, honestly. And I texted y'all, I think it was like mid third quarter. like, I'm having such a bad time watching this game right now. Like, yeah, it was not fun. It was not fun. And you just kind of could see from a mile away what was about to happen. And then it happened. And, you know, yuck. Seeing the story before. Yeah. And, and like Devin Leary was not very good. It's not like Kentucky was just outstanding throwing no. the ball, running the ball here. Um, they made like eight good plays in this game, and that's what won it for them, basically. Yeah. Like, that was it. it just... Yeah. Ugh. I have a feeling the post game win expectancy is going to be pretty heavily in Louisville's favor, which is going to be even more annoying for you. Yeah. It's. Again, the turnovers loom super large here. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jack Plummer, I mean, so again, you're minus two, but one of them was Jack Plummer on, you know, with. 10 seconds Fine. left. Not, in the game no, or time. Yeah, like, no time. Yeah, no time. Doesn't really impact right. anything. 
But the two fumbles, one of them was Jawar Jordan. I think they were they were up at least seven, if not ten, really poorly timed. I think Kentucky goes down and scores. There might have been a, you know a couple of punts back and forth. But I distinctly remember thinking like two plays before the Jack Plummer fumble was thinking, you have got to take care of the ball on this drive. Don't turn it over, you know, punt it over to, you know, punt it, make them, make them drive the whole field, whatever. Two plays later, Jack Plummer, by the way, it's a third down in, I don't know, four. He's trying to scramble. He wasn't even going to get it. Like he could have just slid or, you know, kind of waltzed out of bounds or whatever. And instead, defender kind of like sidesteps him, but like puts his helmet on the ball and turns. It, it was one of the dumber turnovers I think you'll see this year. And it was, it continues to be really irritating watching Jack Plumber play quarterback at times. I just, like, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. Like, you know, he has good moments, but there are other moments that are just infuriating. Like a sixth year player, you got to be better than that, man. Yeah, that's yeah, a rough look. Yeah, it's a rough look. Kentucky thirty-eight, Louisville thirty-one. Uh, Louisville might win the ACC next weekend. Sure, I think the ACC is. Uh, I can't. I can't make the statement yet because Florida State didn't lose tonight. But college football playoffs not looking spectacular. If Florida State wins, I do think they're in. But man. Because the results we were, need to how matter. How close were we tonight to uh, ACC out of the playoff picture? I mean, extremely, time. extremely. I mean, mm-hmm. Florida State. I didn't explicitly say this earlier, but that game was not exactly in hand at any point in time. It's not like they just, you know, it's not like the Clemson the South Carolina result. Seven minutes, yeah. It's not like the Clemson South Carolina result. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Yeah, Florida State yeah. loses next weekend. Florida ACC's done, done. Um, Louisville's yeah. good, but I think they're like more like eight and four, good against a little bit tougher schedule. I think they lucked out a little bit in ACC play with some of the teams they avoided, and um, and that's good yeah. for year one. Coming and, and, off of and, what you're coming off of, and I just. It's hard to qualify 10 wins in year one, right? It's hard to qualify it, but if there was a way to qualify it, that would be it. Duke 30, Pitt 19. Uh, disgusting game. I mean, just, it was as gross as we thought. Uh, it was 10 to 10. It was 13 to 13. Like in the third quarter. Um, yeah, the, this was uh, this lived up to the billing. This was a. I had Louisville, Kentucky in the quad box. I had Ohio State, Michigan in the quad box. I had Duke, Pittsburgh in the quad box, along with the A and M LSU game. Those were the four games I was watching in the noon window. All right, every hey, look, everybody, circle up, take a knee. Um, need to have a, a real honest conversation here. Um, my name is Joey Weaver. I, I am a co-host on an ACC football podcast. I didn't watch a snap of this game today. Didn't watch a snap. First of all, because Mike and Scott texted me saying, this is a disgusting game. Don't watch it. Number two, I've got two small children. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan was on, and uh, I only had two screens. And 
was not going to uh, d- dedicate a lot of attention here. So I'm just I'm just being very honest with everybody. This is a podcast about honesty. Uh, I did not watch a lot of this game, and I don't regret anything. I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said that you missed a lot. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, Duke scored on five of their six true possessions uh, in the second half. The one they didn't was a punt. The end of game, taking a knee does not count. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Pitt had a... Uh, where Duke gained some separation here is Pittsburgh had a stretch where they had a punt and interception. This was late third quarter, right? Let me double-check this. Yeah, late third quarter. So this game was tied at 13. Duke scored a touchdown. Uh, Calhoun caught a touchdown pass. Loftus threw a touchdown pass to Jalen Calhoun to make it 20-13. to 13. And then Pittsburgh came up empty on two consecutive possessions after that, and that's where Duke got the separation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this was a gross, ugly, back-and-forth game, defensive struggle, dare I say, and not because of the defenses. It was because the offenses just suck, and it was really, really disgusting until like late third quarter. And then Pitt continued not playing offense, and then Duke figured it out. <laughs> Duke passed the test, right? Yeah. Um, had had 17 points on four possessions to really kind of put the game out of reach. Yep. Um, that was it. There's no, like, smoke and mirrors here. It was a really ugly offensive game. Pittsburgh really couldn't answer the bell on that side of the ball the entire game. Duke figured it out in the second half, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, it was a low-possession game, right? Like, both teams yes. had the ball 10 times total uh, until Duke's five-play kneel-down drive at the end of the game. So, you know, th- th- it's kind of funny thinking about that and then looking at the, the scoring, you know, of how many points were scored. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Th- this Duke is playing hard, and I think that is th- that is credit to Mike Elko and that staff that – this season was going really well and then kind of went sideways and your quarterback is out, but that team continues to play their tails off. And meanwhile, you go up against a pit team that this is, this is the most disappointing pit team of Pat Narduzzi's tenure there. Um, I don't know if any of that plays into, you know, him not getting the Michigan state job, I don't know that he was interviewing for the Michigan State job. I don't know that he wanted it. I don't know that they wanted him. But the timing is just kind of interesting. The way that that lines up is that his old employer looking for a, a head coaching candidate, he's kind of viewed as a, uh, a, a more likely you know option. And there was just never any rumors beyond kind of that initial – trying to connect dots phase. Um, yeah. But, yeah, brutal year for Pittsburgh. And you wonder, what does the future hold when it's, oh, well, he was in the ACC championship game two years ago. Yeah, well, what kind of team was he coaching back then, and what has he done to recreate that kind of team or create an entirely different kind of team since then, offensive coordinator-wise, et cetera? Right. 
There's some questions. Yeah. There's some questions. Um, they're going to have to do something different. Yeah, something. This is not... You can't go 3-9 and nine and bring the entire staff back, right? So um, they're going to have to do something a little bit different. They're not going to run this offense back. I can't believe how poorly this has gone for Pitt's offense with Phil Dracovic in the quarterback room. How easy is it to forget that he was there like this year, like, you know, the, the expectations being what they were, he hasn't played for a month and a half. And is that a health thing? Is that a capabilities thing? I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. You have to decide that you, you have to decide that offense is important to you because no matter who the personnel is, like you got to care, like you got to want, offense to be important which is something that i think it's pretty clear that narduzzi just doesn't really doesn't really emphasize so yep is mike elko the head coach at duke next year yes i think so duke 30 pit 19 last one i mean when i hear Dabo is a candidate at a&m and when i hear that Mark Stoops just turned them down. Like, was Elko above those guys on the list or below them? I don't know. Did they go with the more reasonable candidates first and then try to hit some home runs? I mean, when's the when's the last time that a Duke head coach lost their starting quarterback midway through the year and still got the team to bowl eligibility and was otherwise respectable in other games? Like it's still Duke. Yeah, there is credit has to be given for what they've accomplished this year. If if A and M fans maybe they feel a little bit differently because Elko was a good defensive coordinator for him, but if A and M fans didn't like the prospect of a Mark Stoops hire, by the way, old defensive coordinator at Florida State, uh, mm-hmm. and a good one, mm-hmm. if they didn't like the idea of that hire. They gonna love the Mike Elko hire. I mean, they're more familiar with him, so maybe they feel a little bit differently. But I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Last one because it's two a.m. and I'm tired. Syracuse, thirty-five. Wake Forest, thirty-one. This game was on cocaine, baby. Fever Never dream. In Never in doubt. Never in doubt. Syracuse <laughs> minus three. Never in doubt. Yeah, this game was kind of like slow and boring, and then the fourth quarter started, and the whole thing kind of went sideways. Um, yep. It's like both defenses got tired of doing anything, and uh, the offenses just had their time of it in the fourth quarter. Uh, Michael Kern was low-key good in this game. Um, Wake was able to run the ball a little bit. Uh, Syracuse, Garrett Schrader played for most of this game. Uh they racked up close to 500 yards of offense. Yeah, weird game. Not what I expected. Uh, Syracuse wins. They are bowl eligible. Um, good for them. Yep. Yep. Good for them is right. Uh, LaQuint Allen ran for 144 yards because Wake Forest has to stop the run all year. So why start today? LaQuint Allen, a guy that we probably haven't talked about enough on this podcast this year. He's He's been a – he's not Sean Tucker – but, like, he's been really good for Syracuse's offense. Yeah. Yeah, he has been. 
different kind of running back, but he's been good. Um, I, I said this on the rundown. Nobody told me that Schrader was going to play today and like be healthy. Sure. Yeah. I. <laughs> none of us knew that. They ran a special offense for like three weeks with Dan Valari and doing the whole thing, and then all of a sudden, no, no, he's fine. Once again, poke yeah. center thing. You're good. I really only watched like the last seven minutes of this game, but mm-hmm. the thing that strikes me is that Wake Forest only had three different receivers catch a pass today. Mm-hmm. Damian Alford had another good day. I don't know, man. Sorry, for Syracuse, he did. Uh, Wake, yeah. Taylor Marin, Jamal Banks, Wesley Grimes. Uh, all 17 catches to those three guys. Yeah. Uh, Lino, buddy. Underdogs in the CW finished the season 10-3 and against the spread, 7-13 on the money line. Three favorites to cover were NC State and head coachless Syracuse. Of course. L- Lee Nobody is the Internet's official uh, CW historian uh, keeping track of underdog performances on the CW. Um, so shout out to Lee. Thank you. If we had the foresight of CW underdogs being profitable against the spread, man, we'd be printing. Mm-hmm. We would. We would. Uh Adam Parker, Pac-12 after dark, officially dead. Officially dead, but uh, CW underdogs not dead. Not dead. Yeah, I mean, now some of those Pac-12 friends are going to come and play on the CW next year. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Syracuse bowl eligible, so uh, good on them, and we'll see how that impacts the uh, impending coaching search. That's eleven out of fourteen ACC teams bowl eligible. That's right. The three who are not. UVA. Wake Forest Ooh. and Pittsburgh. Pit. Just like we all thought. Two years ago, the ACC championship game involves two teams that are now not bowl eligible. For what it's worth, the you guys were both wrong. Uh, in the preview with Tony Syracuse, shout out Tony. Uh, you guys, four. Mike thought five, yep, and Joey thought four would mm-hmm. miss a bowl game. I was thinking about that this afternoon, wondering about. I, I think I I thought I had taken uh, taken good lord taken okay. four uh, four bowl ineligible teams. So I, uh, the worst take from that is Mike saying that Pitt would finish third in the conference. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's that's not third great. to last. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> Outstanding. Yep. yep. Don't. Let's not run the audio back and be calling Pitt a dark horse ACC <laughs> title contender. CW after dark horse. <laughs> <laughs> Rip. Uh, all right. Uh, anything else we need to hit on before we uh, get some awards here, Mike? Yeah, let's do the awards. I think we're good. Let's do it. Uh, I think the easiest place to start. Hit my music. My music. There we go. The, there uh, it is. Kobe Bryant Memorial Volume Shooter. I think we have to go to the combined run games of Duke and Pitt. That's a candidate. Uh, once again, that was 62 carries 
for 112 yards in that game. It's tough to top. It really is. Cade Klubnik, 15 of 27 for 100 yards and interception. Just Kobe. Absolute bare minimum. Kobe. Kobe. Uh, the Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award this week, Mike. What was going on with the uh, officiating? We didn't mention this earlier. At the end of the half with Miami and Boston College, what were they oh. reviewing? <laughs> Does anybody know? Scientists are still not sure. I have no idea what they were reviewing. Just taking their sweet time. I have no. I have no. Clue. I don't no know. idea. That's the you tried award. Yeah. Officials. I have no idea what they were reviewing. Um, horrible. The officiating this weekend again. The ACC officiating this year has been terrible, and I do this every week. But terrible once again, giving it a lot of credit. Terrible's giving it a lot of credit. Mike Norvell almost killed somebody tonight. <laughs> he was out at he was at midfield in the fit. I've never seen him so mad. Twitter Twitter was uh, fully supporting Mike Norvell to just like slap a couple of those officials. Um, Shout out Bud. <laughs> Bud uh, was okay. saying if he choked this guy right now, would anybody care or something like that? Yeah, and then have any questions? Yeah. And then, and then his mentions were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" And Bud's like, "I didn't say he would or he should." I'm like, "Hey, he kind of did." <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Uh, the Utrecht Award goes to the officials, just conference wide, basically. They they did not have a uh, banner week, which in a way means they did have a banner. Week. Yep. So, the uh, Go ACC moment of the week. Did Easy. You, uh, did you get good eyes on the end of the first half in NC State UNC? Oh, I did. Uh, our guy Adam Parker texted me. There was NC State had to re-kick a field goal that they made after the, the after halftime because there was a 12 men on the field penalty. Yes, that's correct. I must that's precisely this. what happened. NC State was scrambling around. Oh, and there was the uh, sideline view of it too, which is spectacular. So. <laughs> You couldn't get a good, because this is a whole thing too, ACC Network couldn't get a good angle of the 12 men penalty, so they went to a sideline view of NC State going in to line up a field goal as like time was expiring, and you see the guy trying to, the NC State, or the um, UNC player trying to run off the field, and you had like the, like the pylon view of it, and that's how you saw that it was 12 men on the field. The progressive pylon cam, like yes. the corner of the end zone. I don't know if it was specifically the pylon cam, but it was like the view from the pylon is like what you saw, and that's how you delineated that it was a 12th guy run off the field. They asked Dave Doran about it, and he was like, Yeah, I mean, just good to get points before halftime. They were kicking UNC's dick in at that point. So, <laughs> like, yeah, good to get some more points. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah. They were trying to ask him about it because I was like, yeah, I don't really know what was going on. They didn't really explain it to me clearly, but we got to kick it again. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you did. This league. Uh, all right. Go ACC, go, go ACC to that. Uh, yeah. Anything else, Mike? Yeah, Tony Elliott, Tony Elliott kicking a field kicking goal a down field 31 goal down points. 31 Good Lord, Virginia. Yeah. Come on. Uh, what else we got? Uh, I see the wheels turning. The Queen. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. 
don't I can't give it I, know, I can't I give it to the school I want to give it to. I know what you're thinking, don't do it. For that. obvious reasons, we can't. Yeah. But you can imagine who I would give it to in normal circumstances, okay? Alternate recipient Boston College. Alternate recipient Boston College. Prime recipient. Well, nope, no, no, no. We're good. We're good. Yeah. Uh, is there a Connor Stallion seal of the week? <laughs> I got one. Oh, you got Scott. one? Okay. Connor Stallion seal of the week goes to the University of Delaware Fighting Blue Hens. <laughs> Still go. a first round FCS playoff win being down 28-7 to against Lafayette. They came back to win 36-24. But I would say roll hens. Oh, hen- what was that? Oh, hens? Roll hens. Roll hens? I don't know if that's what they say, but I said it. <laughs> okay, right, that's what you say. All right. Well, uh, Mike, ACC Team of the Week. Uh, can it be Georgia Tech in a losing effort? It, it could be. Um, it could be, but it's Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech and uh, NC State. Uh, Syracuse, Syracuse getting bowl eligible. No, oh, Syracuse yeah. could be Syracuse. Yeah, that's fine. Interim coach. NC State also a good candidate. Uh, big win over the rival, uh, more than covering the spread. Good players of the week. Peyton Wilson. Yeah, it's an easy one. I'm gonna go with uh, Bashel Tootin. Mm-hmm. 117 rushing. He had uh, 94 in the kick return game. As well, that'll do it. Big day for him. Yep, a couple touchdowns. Uh, <laughs> Brennan Armstrong, LaQuint Allen, Haynes King, Casey Concepcion, Daquan Felton, Kevin Casey Concep, Kevin Kevin Concepcion Concepcion. Yep. Oh, Malik Washington in a losing effort. By the way, these were very empty calorie receptions, but he had fourteen for one fifteen. I thought Virginia Tech did a really good job with him. So mm-hmm. that's. Uh, they were playing a lot of zone coverage when he got his catches, but don't tell the UVA fans there. Best part of the afternoon the for Virginia was uh, Malik Washington. Yep. he's He was good. Good year. Yep. Yep. Anything else? That it? Let's get out of here before I get canceled. <laughs> That's always the goal here, really, is just to get out of here before Mike gets canceled. Uh, yep. All right. Well. Mike, that's it. Regular season's over. Yet again. Eight years of regular season coverage in the books. How do you feel? Good. I just as just as spry as we were when we first started. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. that's a lie. I have <laughs> I have, we have kids now, we don't sleep. Older, more children, more dogs. Yeah, we yeah. We Wiser? Were, uh, we were, Probably not. Yeah. Definitely dumber. I, I've watched more <laughs> ACC, fo- ACC football than I care to admit, so definitely dumber for that That's for right. the most part. That's right. Mike, we have an ACC championship game next week we got to uh, come back and talk about. We've got uh, potential more coaching changes involved. Uh, hi, Matt Brown. Uh, we'll see how that <laughs> goes. Yeah. You know, so we're going to come back and preview the ACC championship game and talk about any other in, important coaching news that comes out in the next couple of days. We'll do that, I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. Keep your podcast feeds tuned here, uh, and we will keep you updated. Once again, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Uh, hit, the, hit the bell icon if you want to know when we're going to go live. You can join us in the chat. 
that we've had a lot of really good participation from the uh, the commenters tonight. So really appreciate the folks uh, who have taken the time to join us and stayed up late with us here on a Saturday night. So uh, if you want to join us, again, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Hit the uh, subscribe button and the bell icon to uh, join us next time we go live. Shout out Adam Parker said I can't get canceled after 2 a.m. I'd love, <laughs> Those I'd love to. Rules. I'd love to test that out sometime. Yeah, we can see. Oh yeah, well, wouldn't uh, be the first no. time. Yeah, okay, um, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, Mike, let's come back and preview the ACC championship game. How's that sound? That sounds good. Might, might even do a couple of uh, season postmortems with uh, you know Pitt and Wake, and we'll see who's available and when and what we can make happen. So keep it tuned here. Yes. I'm on yes, Twitter yes, yes. at FGRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI together at BC Podcast ACC. You can find us on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, all those good places you go find your audio feeds after the fact. Uh, we are, you can send us questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Where else on the social medias, Mike? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there at Instagram at BC Podcast ACC there and then youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Please do. Please do. Mike, that's all I got. Mike, Scott, anything else? I'm going to bed. Well, same. Thank you, everyone. Uh, come back, hang out as we uh, preview the ACC championship game, Bulls season coming up. Keep it tuned here. We will uh, keep you updated on all things ACC over the next few weeks. Look forward to talking to you then. Mike Scott, talk soon? Yep. Yep. All right. Until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, Mr. Producer Scott, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again very, very soon. Hope you had a great rivalry week. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. Until then, go ACC. Go ACC.